Start recording. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pillow Talk with Sean Cameron, episode five. We're, we're privileged to have Anthony Louie, who is the executive director, I thought he was president, executive director of Boston Roadrunners, which is a nonprofit running organization in Boston, and we're going to speak with him on the theme of community, building community, difference between engaging in solo endeavors versus community endeavors. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you. Good to have you. Um, so let's just start from the beginning. So Anthony, he, first of all, in his own right, he's an accomplished runner. He just completed the New York City Half Marathon in 128. So kudos, <laughs> kudos on that front. Um, you are the executive director of Boston Drone Runners, an organization committed to building community, although I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me, roughly speaking, what, what's the mission of the group and particularly how it revolves around, <laughs> around community? Its mission is to bring the community together to engage in a sport of running while learning how to run and engage and motivate and encourage others people in the community to run. Okay, so the theme is a little bit more encouragement as opposed to actually building community. Well, both. <laughs> we have to and build said... the community and then we got to motivate each other and to make it bigger. And you also said teaching people how to run. <laughs> we do offer that aspect of not a lot of people know how to run properly. <laughs> Have you ever sat down and explained to someone, this is how you run? I have. It's not an innate activity? Not yet. I haven't done that part. I sat down and... All right. So it's all good. So it seems as though the themes are a little bit more on encouragement, community building, etc. So let's walk through just a bit of the landscape. What does the Boston running community look like? What is BRR's role in it? What are you trying to do? What is the hole, so to speak, you're trying to fill with BRR? Boston Running Community, it's, it's strong and separate. Yeah. Um, you have the BA that puts on the Boston Marathon and they mm -hmm. cater to elite runners. And so whenever you, on their Facebook site or website, is always their team running a really fast time or yeah. it's always about the fastest runners in the world that completes a marathon. Yeah. But then that doesn't really cater to the average Joe who runs a 5K once a year for fun with maybe friends or family that runs like a 40-minute or 50-minute 5K. Yeah. So my organization, BR, tries to find runners like them to run with other members and to develop a more of a bigger, friendlier community that caters to community members, family, friends, and youth. Okay. And yet you're stacking your BRR running team with some of the fastest runners that you know. That just <laughs> came along. It was on purpose. All good. Um, so this is all good. So then I, I guess my question to you is for those folks that will sign up for 5k once a year or just are more recreational in their running as opposed to at the very highly competitive levels such as the, the Boston Athletic Association that you mentioned. Um, just generally speaking, what, what are they looking for in terms of 
whether or not to join a running group. I mean, running is something you can do on your own. Um, so why even join a community or sign up for a 5K race? You could go out anytime you wanted to and run 3.1 miles without any fanfare and just go back home. So at a you know, deeper level, why do you think people are actually signing up to do these types of races or joining organizations like BRR or any of these other numerous teams that are out there in Boston and elsewhere? They offer a place to socialize, to make new friends, to make the activity a little bit more lively, and to have fun. Okay, so is, is your, I wonder then if the sense is that the socialization comes first and the athleticism second, or the athleticism and competing and excelling comes first and the social element comes second. What you, I wonder what you think the case is for the majority of participants. For any community group, it's always the social part is always first, no matter what. Because um, when you join any activity, you always want to make new friends that engage in the same activity as you are. Mm -hmm. And it helps if they're on the same level as you. So if you want to be competitive, you can find a group of friends who are the same skill level and then... So if the activity itself, so in this case running, is just a sideshow, why not simply have a social organization of people coming together and forget about the actual activity, whether it be running or anything else? Because a lot of people want to focus on one activity and they have a reason for doing that activity, such as running. There's a many, many reasons why people run, whether to stay in shape, um, to compete at a higher level, mm -hmm. they like to run and win races, or go out and run a race and grab a beer with a few friends, mm -hmm. or simply to lose weight. People weighing at 300 pounds want to get fit and healthy, down to 200 pounds. Okay, and then the, the niche then that you think the Boston Road Runners is carving, because you know there are plenty of these organizations in Boston and elsewhere, whether November Project, Most Informal Run Club, um, Boston Athletic Association, Greater Boston Track Club, in New York you have NIAC, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are many, many of these. Um, so when you think about creating a new space for people to convene, what do you think is special or differentiated about BRR or any organization that is coming up and trying to do something similar to what you're doing? We're not really looking to create a new space. We're trying to use the existing space that we have currently and make it a little bit better and more friendlier. Okay. Um, so we try to work with all the different groups and try to um, promote their clubs because we want the whole community to know about them. Not a lot of people know about the Heartbreakers. Right. Or uh, CRC, Cambridge Running Club, yeah. they're, they're really big and really fast now. Um, BAA is off limits. And so we have all these different clubs and not a lot of people know about them and they want to join a club, but they don't know how to or where. And so we're trying to fill in the void. And where do you think we are just in general with Boston and the running community here? I mean, supposedly back in the 70s, there was this mini running boom that was created after... Bill Rogers' success with the Boston Marathon, and you just saw this kind of mini boom and proliferation of running, and these various organizations started to grow also. And then I think it dipped, and now, not to put words in your mouth, but I wonder if it's back, and and running, in particular versus other sports, is experiencing a bit of a resurgence, and also the community aspect, not just that people are going out on their own and pounding away mile after mile, but they're doing so 
within groups and socially as well. And if you think that's any different from how it used to be. Well, I wasn't around back in the, <laughs> the 50s, 60s, or 70s when Bill Rogers came and run, ran the Boston Marathon. Um, but I do know a little bit of his history, and he used to run because he was really fast. And mm -hmm. him and his friends in college, they loved to run and loved, loved to drink. And so after each run, they would go out and have a couple beers and drink like it's a Friday night. Um, and then that continued a lot of... Um, competitive runners in the 70s would do, do that, but I think that kind of died out and phased out and the new generation just want to run to stay in shape and make new friends. Are they So what is the running scene like in Kenya and Ethiopia, to the extent that you know? Are they also running in packs and then convening afterwards for beverages and foods and whatnot, the way Billy Rogers and those guys did in the 70s or social, or to the extent you know about any subculture away from kind of New England or U.S. running, is this something that's predominantly kind of a Western phenomenon? Because you're highlighting really the social aspect around this, that those guys would compete but then also convene and kind of break bread together. I cannot speak, speak for the Kenyan because <laughs> i never been there. I never... So, but I don't think I even have any Kenyan friends yet. Um, but I have heard on articles and through friends that they do run because... Um, they live in a third world country, so the only way to get around is to walk. I guess my question is, after they do that, after they, do they that. just and maybe, maybe resources are, are are scarce, but do they still just get together in a little circle, convene, see how everything went? Like you know, we're talking to each other and say, "How did it go? It went very, very well," and then just talk back and forth. I have no idea. I don't believe so. I think they just run for the fame, the community, and. To make a living out, yeah. out of it. That's true. Um, so then on this theme of kind of community versus solo endeavors, social versus less social endeavors, um, just broadly speaking, do you, I wonder if you think running lends itself nicely to a community endeavor or it's better done alone. What is the ideal number of people to run with? And it could be zero, meaning you don't run. One, meaning you run on your own. Two, meaning you run with one other person. Three, meaning you run with two other people. Or four, etc., into like a large group size. Because there used to be a running club in Boston that I was more uh, more consistent in going to. And it ended up ballooning to a size that ended up not really serving my purse as well because it was a little overwhelming. Um, but that's my own personal preference. And then you have all sorts of race sizes as well that where you have marathons and other distances that they have a small field, small crowd support. And then the other extreme is you have these massive big city races like the Boston Marathon, New York City Marathon, Chicago Marathon, etc. Huge races, huge crowds, completely different community experience versus, for instance, the, say the main marathon or any of these local marathons where it's basically you pounding the pavement. There can be stretches where you're basically on your own. Um, so when you think about an activity, I'm going to first start with running with you, but then you can extend this more broadly. I wonder what your thoughts are on kind of the ideal size with which to uh, take part in that. I think the ideal size for any activity or for running, it's about 10 to 12 people, especially for running in the city. Okay. Because the sidewalk can only hold so many people at once. Okay. And if you have a smaller crowd, you're able to have two or three different conversations at once and then rotate um, along the runners. 
That sounds pretty intricate. So, so like you a, typically run in a pack of 10 to 12? It's hard to find people at the same level as you are, but I ran... I enjoy running with a group of 10 to 12 people. I found it more yeah. liberating because if you're out there for 10 miles at a time, yeah. you're, you're able to talk to 10 different people. And then when that happens, <laughs> invariably, do you have people that just kind of peel off and either go ahead and go backward? And do you have a conversation around that or does that just happen organically? Organically. Um, I found that bigger groups, they kind of split up in five or four different sections and the faster people will run together <laughs> and then the people enjoy the conversation a little bit more will stay together. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of the so-called Irish goodbye, but I, I wonder if you have to actually say farewell <laughs> upon either accelerating or... <laughs> I have not yet. Have you? No, you, well, usually I I apologize, and then I say either we're going to take it to the next level or we're going to slow it down a little. <laughs> <laughs> I usually think an apology is in order, because otherwise the expectation is we're doing those miles together. Um, moving beyond running for a moment, just generally speaking, given the, the theme of this podcast is indeed pillow talk, what types of endeavors would you say more generally lend themselves well to community versus doing that activity on your own? I, are there certain activities that you just think are better suited towards doing, whether in a group of 10 to 12 people, like you say, that might be a sweet spot, or larger or a little bit smaller, versus other activities that really should be done on one's own? Because you often hear, just within the discourse, that, alone, that solo time, whether it's reading or practicing an instrument, um, or even just taking walks on your own to clear your head, etc., is arguably undervalued, and maybe people are doing that um, with less frequency than they did. Um, but then you also have the benefits of community and engaging with a larger group of people. So I, I just wonder if you think more generally what types of activities kind of lend themselves well to community and vice versa versus those that lend themselves well to doing on your own. Yeah, community... The smaller groups, two to five people are more a little bit more intimate or if you want to learn a new instrument or talk about a favorite book that you're going to have a book club in mm -hmm. a few weeks. Um, so you get to know the people a little bit better and you get to spend a little bit more quality time. Let's say you want to master a craft. You want to take up knitting or an instrument or cooking yeah, then two people or three or four. What makes two or three or four more ideal than simply hunkering down and mastering? Let's say you want to le learn a new language. Let's say you want to learn Mandarin and you just want to do that. What would be kind of the negative of just pulling yourself up and trying to master a new language like that? Then one person get instructor. <laughs> it's the best way. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, because when I think about the, my evolution with running in the city, I basically migrated from doing you know, larger groups into smaller groups into now more solo runs, but I still will occasionally sprinkle in more group-oriented activities. And then I'd previously done most of my reading on my own, and now I really enjoy having the semblance of a book club to come together and actually talk about 
fiction in particular. And I often just wonder along that spectrum where certain activities fall in terms of being better suited towards something done on one's own or with a small group or with a large community as well. Like, do you ever think enough is enough in terms of group size also? Like, you said 10 to 12 is a sweet spot. Would you want a running organization or a practice group to be as large as possible? Or do you generally think 10 to 12 is a sweet spot for lots of activities, and, um, especially in terms of trying to develop a skill set? 10 to 12 people. I found a deal. It's a great number. I mean, it's not quite as big enough, but it's not quite small enough, but it's also a good number where you can engage and make, make, make new friends. And how about uh, race size? So I think the first Boston Marathon may have had only 10 or 12 people. Is that the ideal number of people in a, a race as well? Bigger is always better. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So there are no limits? So I think the Boston Marathon caps the field, but in your in your world, the more people you have, the merrier, or would you cap it at some point? Oh, cap it. Because <clears throat> you don't want to be too big and too crazy. Then you, you have no control over the event, and then it just becomes a big party. And a lot of chaos, a lot of messing around. Okay, and let's talk, talk just for a moment now about some of the differences that you've seen also in Boston versus New York, where you have Boston Roadrunners, which you're now building here and trying to build up a sense of community, and you've already seen the impact of the Boston Marathon, the Boston community, etc. There is an organization in New York that happens to be called New York Roadrunners, which is a massive nonprofit organization dedicated also to expanding awareness around running, putting on races, etc., um, when you think of the role that they've played within New York, how would you kind of look back and assess their success with building community and their effectiveness and what they've done particularly well, and maybe what we can learn also? And just to caveat this too, I've this is the first year that I've joined a running team more officially, and it's Anthony's running team, it's Boston Roadrunners, and you know we're we're really trying to build something from. Uh, a smaller level and just make it a forum for people to get excited about running interested in the sport engaged and when you look at what's gone in New York with New York Roadrunners they've grown tremendously and with the influence of Mary Wittenberg and um, so yeah so I don't know if you have any thoughts just in general on what you see in New York and Anthony just got back from the New York City Marathon half marathon also um, so if you have any cues from what they're doing down there that potentially we could also learn in Boston they have a great team, 200 plus staff, and they put on about 60, 70 road races a year. Mm-hmm. One road race every single weekend yeah. on top of a marathon. I thought they do. Um, I think they do a, do a great job fulfilling their mission of encouraging everyone to run. Um, but over the years, it's grown a little bit too corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, they. Mm-hmm. Focus a little bit more on the sponsorships, yeah. um, branding, making sure the top sponsors receive the best outcome as possible. Um, and the races always sell out now. Yeah. But it's a bit too much, too many people. And they kind of lose sight of the smaller aspect the sm- of community building, of focusing on just a few people at a time and making sure they get the attention that they need instead of 
crowding everyone into a single stage and then well I remember that so I, I lived in New York before I came to Boston and I did the New York Roadrunner's so-called nine plus one where you run nine races in a year you volunteer for one event and you automatically qualify for the New York City Marathon that way and in that process I didn't run the New York City Marathon but I did do the nine plus one in that process I remember being first of all as you say Anthony particularly impressed with their ability to organize multiple road races during the year. Like you said, it felt like it was every weekend. It probably was and more. Um, but at the same time, Anthony's also mentioned this good point of how as you grow and try to build community, ironically, when, when you're building community, you're trying to have a sense of friendliness and openness. But as you grow and expand that community, it can start feeling more corporate and a little stuffy. And yeah. so I think that's one of the challenges that you'll also face with BRR is as you grow, and certainly growing to the scale of New York Roadrunners would be just exceptional, but as you grow even on a smaller level, what can be done to preserve this element of just community and friendliness and openness so that it doesn't feel like any time you show up to a racing event is just about the corporate sponsors or whoever is the all-star athlete that shows up and everybody else is just a sideshow. I guess we can focus more on personal development of the staff of the BRR, yep. as well as the runners that attend our events. So instead of making the events as big as possible and getting top sponsors and trying to squeeze every single last dollar out of them, maybe take the money and hire within and then try and train our staff to engage with the community and try to really find out what the community really wants and needs instead of well, trying to create a model. And I have a mild suggestion, um, which, which is that you were talking earlier about how part of the reason that people join these communities in the first place is to have a sense of um, just fun and adventure and playfulness, and they just want to spice it up a bit. Otherwise, the activity itself and anything you're trying to develop, whether it's you know, like cooking or knitting or um, <laughs> flying, <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of fly fishing. Um, fly fishing. Wow. <laughs> running. It doesn't matter. You you can either throw your yourself into it and do it as a solo endeavor, or you can do this with some sense of community. And and part of the reason you're involved in community is just to spice it up a bit, to have it be a little bit more fun, more interesting, a little bit more varied. So on this theme too, and this has been something that I've had a bit of beef with, or at least something that I would like to see... Uh, the sport of running evolve into is one that has a little bit more of just appeal and almost spiciness to it, if you will, where you show up to some of these running events, road races events, and I still remember some of the ones from New York Road, road Runners where, whether it was Mary herself, who's the prior head of the New York Road Runners organization, um, or another announcer who anytime you would cross the finish line or at the start, in a really just energetic, engaging way, welcome you across the finish, describe how you're doing. And I look at some of these road racing events in the UK and it just the, the commentating and, and the way in which they describe runners and running completely elevates the endeavor beyond something that is just this run-of-the-mill everyday ho-hum activities. So you'd see these guys in, in the UK saying things like, those arms and those legs pumping, those teeth gritting, he wants to win this, <laughs> etc. And of course they do that for the great runners. They'd say like, 
the great Mo Farah, the great Haile Gabriel Selassie, the great, everyone's great there, the great Paul Tugat, and they are great. But I wonder also for an organization like the Boston Roadrunners, one of what, one of the many ways in which you can also build a sense of community is just to spice up these events, make it not be so just stale and corporate, like you say, but something where you have kind of quirky personalities, um, people that broadcast or showcase or commentate the event in fun, colorful ways. Like I, you and I both were part of this uh, long run that happened on Saturday, March 26th along Commonwealth Ave and through Boston. And one of the most memorable parts about that run, I remember, is that at the base of Heartbreak Hill, so in Newton, um, just before you get to, on the marathon course, roughly, I think it's mile 20, more or less, um, there's a massive gorilla. And the gorilla was part of that Heartbreak Hill running store. And it's just fun. It just spices it up. It makes it engaging. You see this over and over in other sports, like random caricatures, creatures, animals in baseball, basketball, football. Look at like a half look at halftime if you go to an NBA game, basketball and you see random basketballs being thrown into the audience, people doing somersaults. When was the last time you saw people doing somersaults at a road racing event? Um, a little how about like a little running med thrown into the audience? <laughs> you don't see that stuff. Why? Because people aren't imaginative. They don't have that they don't have that vision rephrase not that people aren't imaginative they just don't have that vision yet for the sport and i think one of the ways in which you can combat this sense of uh, corporate stuffiness if you will is just to keep it playful and light and fun and those are some examples maybe we can ask him this coming april web he'll be in boston he will be in boston what would you like him to do well, ask him if we can throw him around. <laughs> and I, I think about a little, a little like Meb uh, doll or something like that. Just like in basketball games, you have these Nerf um, uh, little balls, things that you would kind of win at an arcade or game or play with. These are just examples of if you want to make an activity fun and playful and light, make it fun and playful and light. It shouldn't just be about like some group of kind of anonymous, faceless athletes who are trudging across distance and then going through a finish line and then going home. Like, you, you actually even see a lot of the reason that people sign up for races these days, and sometimes they're accused of being shallow, but I get it, is for that finisher medal. They just like doing a half... Did you get a finisher medal when you just finished the New York City half marathon? Yes. Did you like it? <laughs> it was the same as last year with a little tweak of a design. Yeah, but isn't it... Does it feel good to have it and just have some tangible it does it memory really big. yes and people like that stuff i mean the, the, you see the the proliferation of races and these organized events but you also see the proliferation of medals and swag and memorabilia and i, I was showing anthony before we just started this podcast that they had sent the boston marathon runners packet and and they talk about what's coming up in your swag bag and and the various just accoutrements of the sport. And that stuff's fun. Like, I feel like as, as wonderful it is to do the activity, I feel like people like as much everything associated with it. Like, I don't just go to a basketball game to see the ball go in the hoop. I don't just watch a football game to see someone run across, um, the, the term is goal line in football. <laughs> 
I do. I like my sports team. Fine. Apparently, he's not I, from I, Boston. No, I like I like the sports. I just what I'm saying is I like everything else associated with it as well. So, for instance, on April sixteenth uh, or eighteenth this year, whatever the opening day is in Fenway, Meb and Shalane and Desi and um. Uh, Amy Hastings are apparently throwing the opening pitch at Fenway. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Oh wow, that's fun. It's interesting, and they're you not get tickets. Yeah, exactly. Watch and, them. Exactly. We're not going to be watching them running. We're going to be watching them doing something else that is fun and shows that they have personality and character. So my point is like, there's as much focus on the actual event itself, but it's all the ancillary activities around the sport that also have interest. Like when you were going back and talking about these famed old runners like Billy Rogers now who used to just convene afterwards and chit-chat and socialize, that's good stuff. Or with these various running clubs where you run, but then before and after you get together and convene, that's the good stuff. With Boston Marathon, it's not just the you know three hours or four hours or five hours that people spend running it. It's also the expo and the whole weekend around it and... And seeing friends who are taking part in it and the community and the cheering, all that makes it special too. So I feel like in building something like Boston Roadrunners or other organizations, the temptation is to focus on the act in and of itself, the actual running, where I would submit it's almost everything related, like in the periphery of running that orbits the activity that has a special sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, good. So we talked about community versus acts in isolation. What are some of the biggest roadblocks as you're building BRR? What's kind of in your way that would be stopping you? I think in one of Anne Rand's books, whether Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged, she mentions that every builder meets his destroyer. So what is, your, what is your destroyer? What is in your way to accomplishing what you want to? Because building community and encouraging folks to embrace running should be something wholly embraced, but I imagine you have various roadblocks in your way as well. No, it's really simple and easy. <laughs> you grab a group of people that share the same passion and interest and then you form a community and then you engage in those activities, such as running. I, let, me, let me be a little bit <laughs> more... more um, hard knuckled on this what would prevent you from going from BRR's influence in Boston to say New York Roadrunner's influence in New York without all the corporate stuffiness finding a bridge between corporate stuffiness and <laughs> community fun part where you can act like a little kid and enjoy the moment and share it with your friends okay I might suggest Gorillas and Meb dolls. <laughs> um, Funding will be a key issue. Okay, good. Because a lot of these events and, and cost is, a lot. In your opinion, I mean, I, I let out, I, I, I gave some thoughts on it, but is would you have any recommendations for making distance running in particular flashier, just a little bit more interesting? I mean, if you take the, the most recognizable runner in the world right now would be who? Um... Me, of course. <laughs> it would be, in my opinion, Usain Bolt. I think he is the most widely known runner right now. What does Usain Bolt run? He runs the shortest possible distance in track and field, and then he does a lightning bolt pose after he wins. There, there's all that flashiness to it. Ask 
any person on the street right now name the top, I don't know, 10,000 meter runner or marathon runner. Maybe you'll get some responses from Mev. Otherwise, you can't really go much deeper and nobody really has any sense of the top female or male athletes. So in that, I see a little bit of an issue. So if I wonder just if you have any thoughts on how to make the sport itself a little bit more accessible and, and interesting and approachable and exciting, just like how for the first time this, this year they broadcast the Olympic Trials Marathon on television live when it occurred in February 2016. And I think that is making a little bit of steps. I would also advocate for more novel, colorful, interesting commentating and knowledgeable commentating. Not things like he's running with a real purpose today, but more what what is his stride length? What's his cadence? What's his pacing look like? What's going on with the field around him? Is it a tactical race or is it just an all-out um, effort, speed from the get-go? Things like that. But that's my own bias. I wonder if you have any thoughts on just making the sport more appealing where you can also grow the base of people who are just jazzed up about distance running. Gotta find the local heroes, local athletes in each of these communities and really give them a place to shine and make the event all about them. To make the sport running a little bit more fun, a little bit more uh, reach to the community so people know about who the fastest person is within that town or who has the best pose. Um, Running, unlike football, baseball, and soccer, um, we don't have a venue where we have weekly or monthly competitions. Only like one random race every single year, but the only people who attend them are the people who signs up for exactly. the races and the volunteers, but the volunteers are local high school and college kids and they don't really know that much or they care that much. Right. I mean, the irony is you have a lot of people that, that participate in the sport. You have, very, you have relatively few people that will spectate and just enjoy the endeavor, just like how... Take the converse, where think of a sport like football. There are relatively few people in the U.S. that still play football recreationally. There are lots of people that watch football, go to a sports bar with their favorite football team, so you could find a, a bar that caters to your interests, say, in University of Notre Dame or Ohio State. When was the last time you walked into a running bar where they were showing your, your favorite distance runners on television you could cheer for them? <laughs> Once a year in Boston, the Boston Marathon. That's it. That's it. And, and probably half the people you know are somehow involved in that as well. We got to um, focus more on indoor track, outdoor track, the smaller, shorter events where people can show, showcase their talents. Okay. Um, I like that thing, though. Local heroes showcasing talents. I would also add just pizzazz and commentating and just making the sport more appealing so um i think that's a, a good enough note if any to, to segue on uh, or to um retire this <laughs> podcast on so uh again we've had anthony louie on with us he's the executive director of boston roadrunner he's giving us thoughts on community we talked about some of the nuances between engaging in group activities versus solo activities anthony believes in that sweet spot of 10 to 12 people in terms of engaging in social endeavors. He also just believes in general that if you're trying to improve yourself in a, in a craft, that doing so in a group is likely a little bit more fruitful and doing so on your own. And that creating opportunities to showcase local heroes, local talent, and to build an organization in a non-stuffy, fun way 
helps, and I would agree with him on that front. So um, he just put a piece of brie cheese on a toothpick. So any final things that you want to say before that goes in your mouth? I'm going to enjoy this cheese, and then me and Sean are going to go for a run. But don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> and we're working on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, but Boston Roadrunners is. Anywho. Um, so it's about 36, 37 minutes in, an excellent 5K time, so we're going to close it here. Pillow Talk with Sean Cameron, Episode 5. Thank you for joining.